Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. We're going to focus specifically on climate activism wokeness. There's all kinds of wokeness out there, certainly the, the racial kind, the gender type. There's all these things right now. So this guy, Constantine Kissin, I know a little bit about him. I don't know a lot about him, but this was a debate. I think I said earlier it was on the, uh, the House of Commons floor. It was not. It was at Oxford Union Society. So he was at Oxford University. He was addressing younger people. He's a satirist. He's a podcast host. And he just came out of the gate. And, and I'm going to tell you that this, this speech goes on for a little bit. And I can't play the whole thing. I suppose I could play the whole thing. That would take us to the end of the hour. But I want to insert a little commentary. Uh, the reason I bring it up is because it is it's a little bit more lengthy than typically some of the audio that I would play. But it is worth it. And here's how we started. Now, I want to talk to those of you who are woke and who are open to rational argument. A small minority, I accept. <laughs> because one of the tenets of wokeness is, of course, that your feelings matter more than the truth. But I believe in you. I believe there are those of you here who are woke, who are open to rational arguments, so let me make one. We are told that your generation cares more than any other about one issue in particular, and that issue is climate change. We're told that many of you suffer from climate anxiety. You wish to save the planet. And for tonight, and tonight only, I will join you. I will join you in worshiping at the feet of St. Greta of climate change. Yeah, he got Greta's name in there. Now, there are so many reasons that I think this is an important moment and an important speech. And I I know that he's using humor a little bit because he is a humorist and a satirist. But this is the type of speech that really somebody in this country should deliver on the floor of the House or the Senate. Maybe they have in one way, shape or form. But I think Constantine Kissin does a great job here. One of the reasons I like it so much is because he uh, makes a point that I've been making for years and he does it a lot better than I have. And one of the things that I've said, and if you've listened to any of the guests that we've had on about climate change, Steve Beloy was on last week and he pointed out that this, um, you know, this stuff from Noah that came out last week shows that we're not warming anymore in this planet. Uh, but that's not going to matter to the climate change alarmists. Um, but look, you, you have a situation where the wokeness is out of control. And on climate in particular, there are poor people that can be helped from carbon energy. I went to Honduras many years ago. Uh, about 11 years ago, I think it was at this point, maybe 10, 11 years ago, I saw how people lived that are coming up through our border right now to try to get a better life for themselves. You know what would keep them in their country? If they had some carbon-based energy so they could cook their food and they could have air conditioning and they can have heat. And he makes this point brilliantly because he kind of calls it down to what's happening in the UK compared to, and we have to realize, we just had these these uh, population numbers through a couple weeks ago. Remember, we have, what, 335, 340 like million that. people. They have... How many people in China and India combined? We're talking about three and a half billion, three and a half billion people. All right. So to his point, let us all accept right here, right now that we are living through a climate emergency and our stocks of polar bears are running extremely low. I join you in this view. I truly do. Now, what are we to do about this huge problem facing humanity? 
What can we in Britain do? We can only do one thing. You know why? This country is responsible for 2% of global carbon emissions, which means that if Britain was to sink into the sea right now, it would make absolutely no difference to the issue of climate change. I've made this point over the last decade because I had a Berkeley professor who was on this show who was a guy who believed in man-made climate change that said, because I asked him the question, he said, if we would just shut down this country, we flip a switch, we've got nothing going on in this country, we'd still be back to the same levels within a year or two because of India and China. And, and that's indisputable, but you never really want to hear about that. Because the future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America by poor people who couldn't give a about saving the planet. It's going to be decided by poor people in Asia and Latin America who don't care about saving the planet. You know why? Because they're poor. That's exactly right. This is one of those things that never gets discussed, and I'm confused by it. And Constantine Kissin makes this point brilliantly. Think about it. Now, he's going to use some examples from China even, and I hope that people really take this to heart. And this would be a great, great speech to give to your climate alarmist friends. I come from Russia, which is not a poor country. It's a middle-income country. 20% of households in Russia do not have an indoor toilet. Did you know that? I did not. 20%. That, that's, that's stunning to me. 20% of people, that's a fair amount of people in Russia that do not have indoor plumbing or an indoor toilet. What they have is an outdoor toilet. And I don't mean one of those nice port that we get here. I don't even mean a Glastonbury port <laughs> I mean a wooden shack with a hole in the ground that holds a collected fermented memory of the last 10,000 visits. <laughs> How many of you are going to go home tonight and say, let's rip out our bathroom and erect a Siberian house in the back garden? <laughs> and if you're not, why should they? 120 million people in China do not have enough food. I don't mean that they don't get dessert. I mean they suffer from malnutrition. That means that the immune system is breaking down because they don't have enough food. Think about that. 120 million people. Obviously, they have a lot of people in China. That's a significant number of the population. Imagine you're Xi Jinping, the leader of China. This was really interesting to me. And I'll be honest, I don't know the history of Xi and what his background is all about. But put yourself, I'm not going to defend communism, all right? That's not what we're doing here. Put yourself in his situation running communist China. When you were 10 years old, there was a revolution, a cultural revolution in your country. And people came and they put your father in prison. Your mother had to denounce him. Your sister killed herself. And you, no longer enjoying the protection of your formerly powerful father, were sent to a village where you lived in a cave house. And here you are, decades later, you have clawed your way up the bloody and greasy pole of Chinese politics to be the undisputed supreme leader of the very Communist Party that destroyed your family. And you know that the main thing you have to do to survive and to stay in power is to deliver the one thing that the people of China want, prosperity, economic growth. Where do you think climate change ranks on Xi Jinping's list of priorities? Where does climate change rank in the priorities for the American people? Very, very low. Now, in the media's viewpoint, it's at the top. In the Democrats' viewpoint, it's at the top of the list. The reality is it's not. The other reality is we can't do anything about it. But you know what we can do? We can adapt. We do very well when it comes to 
challenges. A third of all children who live in extreme poverty in the world live in India. That means they are starving and dying of preventable disease. Now, about 15 months ago, my wife got pregnant. Not me, because we're old school. <laughs> that was a pretty good line right Come there. On. <laughs> and for nine months, we talked about what our boy would look like, what he might do when he grows up. We looked at baby scans and videos on YouTube about what the fetus looks like at nine months and 12 months and 20 months. And eventually he was born. And he is this cute little bundle of joy. He's cuter than about 80% of puppies, right? <laughs> now, if you said to me that I had a choice, either my son had a serious risk of starving or dying from a preventable disease in the next year, or I could press a button and he would live. He would go to school. He would bring his first girlfriend home. He'd go to university and graduate and become a woke idiot. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And then he'd get a job and get married and have children and become a man. But all I have to do is press this button. And for every day of my son's life, a giant plume of CO2 is going to re get released into the atmosphere. Now, you're all very young, and most of you are not parents. Let me tell you something. There is not a parent in the world who would not smash that button so hard their hand bled. Yeah, and, and point, look, I, I can say this in relation to my daughter. You, you've got Leo and all these Hollywood types out there and all the uh, climate alarmists, AOC, you know, Cori Bush, you name it. Do they have children? Would they feel that their own children should have a lower standard of living? The only way to solve, solve is an interesting word, this crisis. And the people that are really behind all this would be honest with you. You basically got to live in a, a room that's the size of this studio, Sue. I mean, they've kind yeah. of done the math. In order for maybe even smaller than the studio, like a whole family. I'm not talking about one person in a room like this. In order to solve, quote unquote, the climate crisis, we all have to do that. In this country, in China, in India, in Mexico. That's not it's going not to gonna happen. happen. This is really refreshing to hear him, to somebody oh, address these he things. He is awesome. He's got one more here. Well, I think it would help if I turned it up, though. Hold on. You are not going to get these people to stay poor. You're not even going to get them to not want to be richer. And so I put it to you, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one thing we can do in this country to stop climate change, and that is to make scientific and technological breakthroughs that will create the clean energy that is not only clean, but also cheap. Which is what we do on this planet. And the only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims, to believe that you have no agency, to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. Yeah. <laughs> Took him a minute to get that, right? Yeah, it did. And we on this side of the house are not on this side of the house because we do not wish to improve the world. We sit on this side of the house because we know that the way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that. Thank you very much. 
Wow. That was, that was a great speech. The whole speech is only about seven and a half or eight minutes, and I called it down, and I only skipped a couple of different parts in there. But I, I love the fact, because I never, I've always been curious about this, and I've asked Dr. Roy Spencer, and I asked Steve Malloy and a lot of these other guys, and they agree with me, but it's never part of the conversation about the poor people around the planet. It isn't, it, ever, it, ever. Even the poor people in this country, yeah. right? You'd be surprised at how many people don't have access to that. So I thought that that speech was Absolutely excellent. But let's face it, some of us, and and I'm certainly in that camp where I have a a little seven and a half year old girl who's going to be indoctrinated in her schooling and already is about climate change. And we're creating fear. Look what Greta Thunberg's parents have done to her. It's child abuse is what it is. And guess what? She's been talking about doom and gloom for about five years now. The original prediction was seven years. Gosh, she's running out of time, isn't she? Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.